So today, you are going to need your outline for lecture four. It's on page 29. Pull that out. That's the first page that we will cover. I will then move to the Bible toolkit. You pull that out. That's on page 31 and goes through 35. And then you have on the table the Colossians handout. And if you're listening online, your small group leader should have emailed you a, a download or a link for that Colossians handout. So contact your small group leader if you did not get that. Okay, we are moving from big picture to smaller picture. You guys have done a lot of background work in Titus. You've seen the big picture. You've come up with the main theme. You are getting familiar with what this church looks like. You're getting familiar with the characters. And so at this point, we're going to go smaller picture. We're going to now dive into the individual passages of this book. In Titus, we've broken it down into six passages. And so today's lecture is, is to help you approach those passages. You want to get what is that main idea from those, that passage that, that will be before you. And so today's lecture is going to give you some tools, some strategies to um, help you do that. And I'm going to do an overview, which is on your outline of your lecture. I'm going to run through those overviews. And then I'm actually going to have you see this worked out in a Colossians passage. So hopefully that will be a helpful thing for you. So our principle is called bone and marrow. And what it states is, is that there is an emphasis in the text. There's an emphasis in a passage that you're going to be studying. That's, that emphasis is like a main idea. It's, it's like a special important. It's a value that's trying to, the author's trying to get across to you, and that's what you want to apprehend. You want to know what is the main point the author wants me to grasp here. And you can apprehend that by looking at the structure of the text. And so, as with all of these principles, we have... Um, a little illustration. Bone. And then, as I try to spell this, and marrow. Bone and marrow. The marrow goes into the bone, right? The marrow is what keeps the bone alive. The marrow is what carries life to it, in a sense. It's what produces the red blood cells, carries the oxygen. The marrow is what keeps that bone functioning. And so, as an analogy in our text, the structure, the bone, the, that's the structure that holds it together, refers, is, is, is like the bone, and then the emphasis is that main idea. So the marrow, what keeps this, this whole text alive, that main emphasis. So maybe that's a helpful way of understanding that there's kind of two parts. There's a structure that the author in the way he wrote, can help us understand his main point. Okay, so again, let me explain. Every passage or text has a structure. The structure provides the emphasis. The emphasis gives shape to what that passage is about. As we understand that emphasis, we will begin to see what it was meant for those hearing it for the first time and what it means for us today. The structure will reveal the emphasis, and, that's, and the emphasis is what we're looking 
to see. So last week in our traveling instructions, we talked about we don't want to go from the text to application. We want to go through the context, then to application. We're getting closer to application. We're getting closer to, if we find out what it meant for them, we can find out what it means for us today. And so we will find that relevancy. We'll find out what does this mean and is helpful for us. So the thing that we're going to look at is that organizing principle of the author. How did this author pen his words? Why did he put the words where he put them? And so that's what we're going to look at to help us figure out his structure and the point. And I said there are strategies that can help us apprehend that. And, and I'm going to um, mention these strategies. Some of these things are things you've already done. You've already done this in Titus because that was part of your big picture but you're gonna do it in the micro to some degree, and then we'll be adding more. So again, get pages 29 out, get pages 31 through 35 out, and I am using the outline first. So on your outline, you have nine points that I am going to run through. You can follow along as I do that. Again, this is an overview. It's just to kind of get you familiar with what I'm gonna do when I show it to you. And so, these points and strategies, you're gonna look, when you come to a text, the first thing you just kinda wanna ask yourself is, how, I wonder how this is organized. I wonder how this text was put together. Lord, I wanna know how, help me to know, help me to see how this author did that and help me with, through these strategies. And so the first rule is that you wanna use a literal translation. You're already doing that. We're using ESV or New American Standard because we wanna know what the words are that the author used, and then you can do your word search, and you'll do maybe even more word search within this little text. So you're already doing that, you're familiar with that, you're just gonna add that to your um, going in the little passage. Then you always wanna read that passage over and over and over. As you can probably see in this study, reading and rereading is huge. And so after you've read it a couple of times, and you've even read it out loud, you ask yourself, did anything jump out at me? Did something jump out at me like whatever? Just jot that down. It may mean that that's going to take you to the main idea. It may even be the main idea, but you want to verify it. So you jot down what jumped out at you. Next, we're going to do on point three is you write the text out line by line. And so what that means is that you allocate one line for a period or a comma, and it's, if you can get, if you have a computer, it makes it real easy. You put the text up, and you just look for the first comma, and then you push return, and it goes to the next line. You find the next period, push return, and, and you just out, you know, this whole passage comes out, and it's line by line by punctuation. So that's what I'm saying, line by line. You can handwrite that out. You don't have to use a computer, but you want to get it line by line. Fourth, you want to now shape that into a bit of an outline. So you have all of these lines that are just one on top of the other. And, and so as you go and you're looking at your um, line by line by line, you, you have these first several lines and you think, huh, he kind of changes gears on line five. I, I kind of see that he did that. So maybe I'll make this one lump. And then I go, and he only, maybe he only changes for two lines. But then maybe he does it. And so you see 
you have three sections. And, um, and so, but they're not even. Do you notice that? This one had four, this one had two, this one had three. Don't, don't look for, you know, things to be even and symmetrical. You, you want to see where does he change his flow of thinking? Where does he change his, where does his thought go? It's like it was going here, but now it's going here. So, so now you have, you know, a kind of an outline, point one, maybe point two, point three. And it's pretty crude at this point. You're just kind of, kind of getting it to a point of, this is what I'm kind of seeing. And so once you're at that part, you want to go to point five on your outline that says the his, historical principle, the context, it's, it's seeing this how the audience would have seen it during their time, trying to remember. So you've learned a lot about the, t the church in Titus. You, you, you can have, probably have a feel what that time period was like. And, and so you kind of keep that in mind as you look at your text. You have that informing you. And, and then context. We, we want to know what else is happening on either side of our passage. We don't want to discount what that is. We, we want to remember the melodic line, that main point of the whole book, because everything, all of these texts have to point and support somehow that melodic line. In some way, it's pointing to it. And so you're, you want to remember that as you are looking at your text. Point six on your outline says to look at the words more carefully. And we'll spend quite a bit of time doing this particular um, step. And, and so you would have a colored pencils, and you would go through and you would mark certain words. And these certain words are going to help you with his flow of thought, his thinking. And then the last point is called structure. So at this point, you, you have looked with all of at all the words that you'd been looking for in all of these steps so far now you're going to come back to your outline and you're going to say you know after all what i've done i think this line really does go with the um with the second line so i'm going to tweak my my uh my outline and i'm going to actually put that and put this together and make this part of this one maybe you'll just leave it the same maybe what you originally saw actually seems to be working, and so you leave it. So at this point, you're going to try and look at what is common here that keeps it together. What is common here that's keeping it together? What is common here that's keeping together? And how do these common things relate to one another? And so then, maybe you decide, you know, this one here, he has a lot of gospel truths in here. He's kind of telling us basically things about who we are. So maybe you will write gospel. Or you can say gospel truths. You come up with a word. A lot of times I just pull a word out of the text that seems to be the main, main thing that's jumping out, the common thing. And, and you're going to put a heading here to help you get to the structure fully. Then you come here and you say, I don't even see the word gospel here, but it sure sounds like the gospel that was mentioned here is making something happen here. So maybe I'm going to say gospel lived out. Oh, my arm needs to be longer. And then down here, maybe it's, he goes back to who we are. And, and, and so maybe it's, you know, again, it, maybe it's just a repeat 
of this. So maybe I'd write gospel truth number two. Or, or maybe I, it, you just look for the common thing and you just come up with a, your own heading. And every one of us will come up with something different. Just, just know that. There's not one right way to do this. And, and what you, what, maybe what you land here, someone else will go, oh, you're so right. I would have never, I didn't even think of that kind of word, but that really fits there. And maybe what you came up, they might be going, oh, I can see how you came up with it. That's really great. I'm going to use that. We'll help each other. Okay. So that's up to, on your handout, your lecture, put that to a side. We will come back and we'll cover the last couple points on that outline of the lecture. But right now I want you to put out in front of you the Bible toolkit that you pulled out of your notebook. It was started on page 31. And I want your Colossians handout that you have on the table. And if this was Jessica's paper, she would have both of them side by side so her head could go to one and then to the other. So that's what we're going to do. Your head's going to bounce back and forth to, from these two papers. And I will try to give you um, heads up when we're going to shift. <clears throat> All right, so what you have in front of you are those two papers so we can proceed. Now, I have chosen a passage in Colossians to show you how this works. I could have done Titus, but then I would have been doing your homework for you. So I know you'd be disappointed if I did that, so I saved that for you to do this week. But I still want you to see how this works in a passage. And, and the passage that, um, and the reason why I picked Colossians is I'm very familiar with Colossians. I've memorized it. I've spent a lot of time. I know the melodic line of it. The melodic line of Colossians is that Jesus is supreme. He is the all-sufficient Savior. And the individual passages in this book point to that reality in ways that, that support it, like it says that, and then there's passages that show how men, relying on their own traditions, men's own philosophy, men's own understanding, and you see how it falls short, it points to their need for this all-sufficient Savior, this supreme Christ. So your texts are going to point to the melodic line. So in Titus, when you've gone through all your work, you're going to look, how does that support sound doctrine? How is that supporting that we should speak it? And how is that supporting that it produces good works? So you'll have that in your mind as you work, because that's the theme of Titus. But Colossians, in the passage that we're in, it is that Jesus is supreme, that the complete adequacy of Christ is seen, and it's a lot of times contrasted with the emptiness of man's philosophy and sufficiency. So I wanted you to know that I understood that because that is helpful, so helpful when you go to do a text and try to figure out what, what this is saying. So I want to start with the Bible toolkit. You'll see that in front of you. There is a lot of information in this toolkit, more information than we will use in this study. And I give the complete thing to you because if you go, and let's say you're going to study a narrative like the Gospel of Mark, you'll use different strategies than what we're going to use in a letter. And so there are those strategies in that toolkit. 
And so we will actually skip a whole page in that toolkit because we're not going to use it in Titus. But I wanted to give it to you so that if you wanted to try this on your own after we're done with this study, you have that resource available. All right. So starting with your toolkit, the first thing I'm going to do is pray. I pray because I need God to help me. He wrote the words. He knows what he wanted to say. And so I'm asking him, I want to understand what you said. I want to know what you said. Help me to understand it. And I pray throughout the whole process because there'll be times where I'll get stuck. And I'm like, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do next. Help me, Lord. And then I'll find something. And I'm like, is this what I needed to find? Affirm it. <laughs> and so I'm praying the whole time. And the step, second step is I'm going to read it and read it and read it and read it. That third step where it talks about what genre do we have here, I want to remind myself I'm in a letter. That means I use certain strategies to unpack it. And if I was in an, an, you know, a gospel, a narrative, I would use different, different strategies. And so that's just to remind us, because sometimes you know, you'll come to a passage and you haven't really spent any time in the book, and you want to know what this little passage says. If you don't know what kind of, kind of writing is taking place, it, 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 it can be um, frustrating trying to get to that main point. Okay, so now let's do this in Colossians. You have your toolkit, and you have your Colossians, and I'm now going to read Colossians 1, 9 through 14. I've already prayed. I know this is the letter. I've been reading it, and now I'm going to read it again. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So I have read this and read this, and I ask myself, what's popping out? Does something, something jump out at me in this text? And something did seems to me this is a prayer, a prayer. I wonder, what, wonder what, what it has to do with prayer. And so I, I just jot that down. That's what jumped out at me, and so I jot that down. Next, I move to step four in my Bible toolkit, and it says in step four to write out the text line by line. And again, this is step four in your toolkit, and I've done it on your Colossians handout. So if you would look at step four on the Colossians handout, you'll see how I did the line-by-line -line method where I allocated one line per period. So you notice where it says, we have not ceased to pray for you. Do you see that line? And to ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's actually one long line. But my paper didn't go out to here, so it had to go underneath it. But had my paper gone out to here, you would see that there would really just be three lines here. But the paper wasn't long enough. So I just wanted to kind of show that to you so you wouldn't be confused because you don't see a comma there. Okay. So then I broke it into three sections. I, after I did the line by line, I thought, how, what do I see common 
where do I see something and then do I see something change in his talking? And I notice that in verse 9, it seems like Paul's praying. He's asking God for a certain thing. Then in the second section, it sounds like if God answered that, these things would take place. And then I notice that he changed it again. Now he's giving thanks. He's, he's thanking God for, for what God has done. And so that's how I broke it down into these three things. Now, you, you may break it down differently. This is how it jumped out at me after I've read it, after I did the line by line. So now I want to keep moving forward to, to verify, am I on the right track? Am I getting to um, that main idea? So now, if you'll turn your attention to step five on your toolkit on page 31. Step five tells you to look at words carefully. And that's what we're going to do now. I have done this work. And if you were to turn your Colossians handout over to this page, you'll see colored coded um, words that I've applied to our text. So be looking at that. And... This is where your head's going to go back and forth. You're going to look like that bouncing dog in the cards that you see. So the first thing I'm going to look for is things that repeat itself, repetition. And as I read through that, I noticed that, that pray, ask, giving thanks, those are words that are saying the same thing. It's, they're words that convey talking to God. And so I see that as similar and so I marked them in yellow to help me to remember. It is, prayer is kind of seems to be happening here. The next thing I do, I go to my, my step five and I look, oh, connecting words, linking words. Okay, so I need to look at certain words that bring connection. And on your toolkit, I have those kind of words listed. You'll see that words like therefore, because, Four, so that, and you can turn it over, and there's other ones listed, um, because, since, so, consequently, for this reason, thus, are some more linking words. And, and so you have it written on your toolkit. You can come back here when you, to remind yourself what those words are and what do they mean. Linking words, connecting words, show flow of thought. They help you to see where the author goes from either a reason to a conclusion. Or sometimes you have the consequence and why that happened, the, you know, the, the reason behind it. So it depends which, you know, what word it is will tell you which way the flow of thought's going. So I look on my text in Colossians, and I see I have three connecting words. The word for, F-O-R. I highlighted them in pink. And so the words that come before the word for, and that's, I know it's going to sound confusing, confusing. Pretend this is for, F-O-R, F-O-R. The words that come before it, that are coming to it, those words, tell you results or consequence. This is on your toolkit. You can refer back to your toolkit. But I just want you to understand it for what we're doing in Colossians. Now, the words that come after the word for are going to point to the reason or the explanation of why he said it. So, I look at 
the first four, and it tells me that Paul is moved to pray because of what happened in the previous verses. Like in verses 8 or 7, 5, 4, 3, 1, those verses. So what does that tell me I need to do? I got to go back. I got to go back and read that at some point. Then the second four is telling me that the results of Paul's prayer are going to bring about attaining all steadfastness and joy. So it's kind of confirming this is talking about prayer. Then the third four tells me that Paul is moved to give thanks for the Colossians who are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. And the reason is because they were rescued from the domain of darkness. And so now, it sounds like I just came up with this. I took some time, and I had to go to my toolkit, had to remind myself, now which way does four go, and which way does therefore go? I had to look at that. And then I had to take a second and kind of jot it out, and I had to go back to it to make sure I understood it. And, and I just took some time to get it in my brain. It, 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 and believe me, it doesn't come easy for me. And so don't expect it to come. And some of you are like English majors, and that thing is just like, whoa, I can do this, because I'll just skate. Um, I, I, I'm not one of those. I, I have to take more time to, to get, it, get it down. But, but with God's help and a little bit of time and effort, it, it's amazing what you can come up with. So I jot down that information that I basically had just told you on what I found out concerning the word for. Now I go back to my toolkit and I look at what is the next thing that I need to do. And it says contrasting words or phrases. That's on page 32 of your toolkit. So contrasting words or phrases. And I look, and do I see anything that, that are opposites, that they contrast each other? And I do. And I mark it in red. The domain of darkness is contrasted with, contrasted with the kingdom of his beloved son. But you see that kingdom is in green? Well, if this was colored pencil, you could see red and green marked in there, but the computer would only do one. So that would have, kingdom would have been red. So now I kind of see, okay, we're talking two realms here. We're talking two realities here. I think I'll just keep that in mind. I jot it down. I move on to the next one, if statements. Are there any if statements? And I read, and I don't see any. So I go to the next one, which are so that's. So that's is also like a connecting word, but so that's are so important that it's nice to have them as a category of their own because they are so helpful because it tells me the purpose behind something. And so you really want to land on those because it's a cause and effect sort of thing. And so I, I see one and I mark it in blue. And it's telling me that Paul is praying and asking that the Colossians be filled with the knowledge of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that what? So that something else happens, so that something's going to happen. And it's when we see that in verses 10 through 11, all the things that Paul wants to see happen if God answers that. That's huge. I jot that down. The next thing it says, look for time references. Well, a time reference has to do with anything that indicates a season, a day, a noon, an hour, those kind of words that make, you know, communicate time. And so I see one. It's called day. For this reason, also since the day we heard, so I mark it in, in kind of an olive color. So that's telling me something. Then um, I think that you know that Paul is has been praying and thinking on these things for quite a while. So then I go to motion words. Now motion words are your verbs, 
Those are the words that show action. And um, I want to know who's doing the action. I want to know who's supposed to be doing the action. Who's, who, who is it applied to? And so in, in our text here in the Colossians, I underlined all the words that I saw that are action words, verb words. And, and again, I could miss things. You know, I, I'll, I'll go through it, and I may miss a, a, an action word. It's okay. Don't, don't, you know, worry about that. That's why we get back together, and we can help each other. So the words that I came up with that I saw that were action are underlined, pray, ask, filled, walk, please, bearing, increasing, attaining, giving thanks, qualified, rescued, transferred. And so I jot that down, and now I'm going to look at these words, and I'm going to ask, how do they relate to what I'm seeing? Do I notice who's doing the action and to whom? So I go back to those words, and I see that Paul's praying, he's asking, he's giving thanks. So this is what Paul's doing. Now I go back, and I see that the believers are to do some things. They are to walk, please, bear fruit, increase. And then I notice that God does some things. God fills, qualifies, rescues, transfers from one kingdom to another. This is very helpful because I see the moving parts of what's happening in this passage. Next, I'm going to go back and I look for commands. Well, those imperatives. And in this passage, there are no commands. So I move on. If there were, maybe I would bracket them just so that I could see that that's a command. Next, I look for big Bible words, words like salvation, kingdom, faith, rest, justification, atonement. And I happen to see two of them. They're in green, kingdom, redemption. Now, in my big reading, when I was reading Colossians, I, I could have seen redemption and kingdom. And, and if I didn't get you know, stopped at that moment to think, what did he mean by kingdom? What did he mean by redemption? And, and taking the time to do a word search at that point, if I hadn't done it in my big reading, this would be a time to do it. So I want to make sure I'm not bringing my own culture, my own thinkings of today, applying it to this word. I want to know, what did the author mean by kingdom? Is it the same as what I think kingdom is? I want to make sure I know what redemption means. What did the, doc what did the doctor, what did the author think? And, and so that's when I would maybe do a word search on those big words and just jot down what I, what I learned and see if that will help me um, find that main point. Next, I look for quotes and references. Whenever you're in a passage and the, um, there's a quote, like from the Old Testament, you, you want to stop and think, okay, now he purposely put this here. He purposely quoted Isaiah. I want to know what was going on in Isaiah that would, would now come here to bear in my passage. So maybe I'd go back to Isaiah. Let's say it was in Isaiah 55, and I, I would read the whole thing, kind of just see what was going on here when it was first said. And then when I come back to my passage, I want to remember that the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. The New Testament helps you to understand what was going on back then because it was a mystery back then. They knew that there was a Messiah going, but they didn't, coming, but they didn't know what that looked like. He didn't know who he was, but, but we know that now in the New Testament. And, and so we want to know what gospel information is being revealed here, what information that can be added to this. And we just jot it down. We look for that. We saw that a lot in our Nancy Guthrie studies where she would 
take us to the New Testament after being in the Old Testament and we see these quotes and we see, we get a bigger picture. And so that's basically what you're kind of doing. Um, the last thing is to look for tone and feel. What, what kind of tone is coming across these words? Do I see any sense of urgency? Do I sense any kind of uh, importance? And, and I do. I, I feel that there is an urgency when it says, for this reason also since the day I heard. Sounds like he, he's been thinking about this. This is something that's really moving him to do something. So I, I just jot that down on a piece of paper to kind of take note that, yeah, there is a bit of an urgency here. He's not letting this go. He keeps, he's keeping at it. So we have done all of step six, or step five, and now we're going to move to step six. And that starts on page 32, and it ends at the bottom of page 33. Just take a second, look at page 33. You see all that stuff on page 33? We're not gonna even go there. So when you do your homework, you just pass by that. And when you wanna go look at another book, come back to that and you can apply it. Even, now go back to page um, 32, and you'll see where we start with the structure on step six. We're, we're actually only gonna do this first paragraph. So you can see there's a lot of information that you can, it's available to you in helping you, re, you know, fine tune your structure. A lot of that information applies to different books, different types of genres. We're in an epistle and we're just gonna stick with this first paragraph. So don't get overwhelmed when you see all that information. So moving on, as I, as I talk, through this, and I'm looking at, and I want you to also look at your Colossians handout. You see there's a step six. It like backs up right underneath verse 14. So that's where step six starts on page two of your handout. We're going to cover that part now. So I've done a lot of work up to this point. And so now I want to look at the structure that I've come up with and want to see if I need to tweak it. I want to see with what things that I've learned might want me to tweak the way I've come up with it. And so I go back and I'm looking again at common ideas, common patterns. Do I, do I see something? Maybe I saw it earlier, which was prayer. Is it, has it been really affirmed? Is that something that's really jumping out even more to me? And, and in the Colossians passage, it is. And so looking for that common element and, and how they relate to each other are, are very helpful in, in how your outline is going to look. But again, don't, don't get so caught up on outlines that you think, oh, if this doesn't come, I'm not going to get it. You, you could actually have the emphasis in your mind. In fact, I tend to do this backwards because I tend, uh, God's gifted me to see the emphasis a lot of times, but then I want to make sure I'm seeing it, so then I go backwards looking at the structure, trying to apprehend that structure so that I can see, did I, was I right? Was I wrong? And, and so there's, there's different ways to approach this. So if, if you feel like you're seeing something, run with it, and, and ma but make sure the text is going to verify it. And uh, so, so know that... Um, don't, don't just beat yourself up if you feel like it's not coming. It, it takes time and practice to work on this. So I look at my, my structure, and I've decided to, to put some headings on it. That's what I want to do. I want to kind of 
put a little heading on each of these little breaks to help me kind of see the process, how his flow of thought is going. And so I just came up with top of my head for the first section, pray regularly, because I felt like that urgency of Paul wanting to pray. He's been doing it since the day he heard of it. It seems like it's a, you know, he's not quitting. So I just thought, pray regularly. Then I look at the second section, and I see that, man, if God answers this prayer in these believers' hearts, these things can happen. And so I, I just called it prayer lived out. You could come up with something else, something more clever, or it doesn't even have to be clever. It's just something that helps you to remember what that little section was about. Then you go to your next page of your, of your um, handout, the Colossians handout. At the very top, I have the third section and what I labeled it as. I labeled it as prayer of thanksgiving. It sounds like Paul is so thankful for all that God has already done. It's like it fuels, I'm thinking, his passion that he's going to answer his other request that we saw in verse 9. If God's faithful here, surely he'll be faithful here, and this is going to happen. So that's how I see this. And so I ask myself that um, am, I, am I getting closer? And, um, and so we're at a point that we're going to do something with this. So now pull out your outline, your lecture outline. That's, and we're going to cover the last couple of points that I had listed on your outline. That would have been page 29 in your notebook. Page 29. So we are going to talk about the point that says emphasis of the text. It's on the back side of your outline. Emphasis of text. That's where we happen to be at this point in our Colossians passage. I think I've kind of landed on an emphasis, a main point. And once you apprehend somewhat of a structure and you're seeing somewhat of an idea, I'm, I want to jot it down. I want to jot down what that looks like. And so I would jot down, prayer jumps out to me as a main point. I'm just jotting that down. I said, sounds like prayer needs to be done regularly to know God's will, his, to, to know his, his power, to, under, to have understanding, and to, you know, the power to live it out. I'm, I'm just jotting down the things that I think encompass that main idea. So now I need to do one last step to verify, is this really it? And so that takes us to the context principle, which is on your outline. It's also step eight in your Bible toolkit. And um, so I need to examine the passages in relation to its immediate context, those verses that surround it, and I expand out from my passage to see how it all fits together, how it all flows together. I ask, how does the immediate context of those verses on both sides of my passage inform the meaning that I seem to be seeing. And I did this work ahead of time, and you have chapter 1 of Colossians. You have the passages before our text. 
you have the passages after our text. And so when I spent time looking at that with the thought of this idea of prayer, I look and I see that verse 3, Paul was praying there too. He was giving thanks there. So he's asking and giving thanks. I go to verses 4, 5, and 8, and it shows that Paul mentions the gospel and how it came to these people, how it brought fruit, and that it brought about hope, faith, love. And that's the reason, the, the, the stuff that came before our first four in verse 9, I'm seeing that, that complete picture there that this was the reason why Paul is praying for them. He sees that the gospel has come, that it's already producing some fruit. It's already bringing hope and love for the brethren. It's bringing faith. He wants it to continue. Interesting. Seems like that's fitting with my passage. And so now I want to go what does, to the, those verses afterwards. I want to know how do they fit with, the, with what I am seeing. Does it affirm it, deny what I'm seeing? Well, verses 15 through 20 highlights all of the deity of Christ. All the things that Christ has done, his redemption and how he's the image of God. He's the firstborn from the dead. He, he's the one that reconciles. It was through his blood. I see all of that in, in the verses after that. And then I go back, and I think melodic line. Boy, verses 15 through 20 sure do point to the f- 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 sufficiency of Christ, <laughs> how he is supreme. And then I look back at my text, and I think, if, if Christ didn't do all this stuff, we wouldn't have redemption, we wouldn't have forgiveness. We wouldn't be able to to see uh, our ability to please God, our ability to walk in in a way that honors him. I wouldn't be able to increase in the knowledge of God. I've got to be, we've got to be praying that God does this. And we've got to be grateful for what he's already done. So I'm seeing this is all fitting. It's all fitting together. And so that brings us to our ninth point on your outline where it says the central theme of the text this is what your homework's going to look like. This is as, as far as you're going to get in your homework with this passage, with Titus. You're going to come to this point where you've done all of that structure work. You're going to jot down what you think the main point is. You're going to look at the contents, write down what you see there, and then you're going to come to this point, and it says the central theme of the text, they want you to write it out. We want you to write it out in a sentence. Can you condense it down to a sentence? And so what I came up with my sentence, which is, is as long as a paragraph, but it's a sentence because I put my period at the end. No. <laughs> so what I said was regular pray, regularly pray to God, asking to know him, his will, for the power to live it out with thankful heart for his forgiveness of sin. That's how I said it. Other people could say it differently. You just want to have those elements that you saw in a sentence. And that's where you're going to get at that far in your homework with Titus. Next week, when I give you your last principle, it's going to coincide with the last part of what you do with the passage that you're studying. So we've actually taken Titus 1, 1 through 4, and we split it up between two weeks. After that, you're going to do all of these steps each week for the next remaining five passages. And... 
So in conclusion, just to kind of bring this all back together, every passage has a structure in which the flesh hangs. And every passage that has that structure and you go to see it, you can, it'll help you to see the main emphasis. And so we want to know what is that main idea that the author was trying to get across. And so we look at the text trying to dissect that way he wrote it, his structure, the way he penned it. And, and we pray. We pray, pray, pray that God do the whole step asking him to help us. And he does, and he will, and it's amazing. 